You're listening to KDNK's Public Affairs Program for Land's Sake. I'm your host, Bill Kite, and today our guest is David Howder, local architect, archivist, art, uh, activist in, uh, for Sixth Street uh, community and in his involvement in the Glenwood Springs redevelopment planning for Sixth Street. So uh, I'd like to welcome David. Hey, thanks, Bill. It's great to be here. You know, uh, it's good to have you here because I usually talk about big land, you know, co- uh, conservation of Forest Service or BLM land or, or ranches and farms and that sort of thing. But today it's uh, really interesting, I think, to learn a little bit about what's going to go on in 6th Street uh, there in Glenwood Springs. Uh, you know, you've been uh, architect, licensed and accredited architect for over 45 years, and uh, you have experience in helping clients decide uh, what their designs are and my my uh, work strives to achieve a balance between practical application you said and sustainability and consideration of the senses so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're interested in the appropriate development of 6th street in glidwood springs all right well so about myself so i uh i showed up in aspen in 1969 from the west coast and met my future wife there, who had, you know, just by synchronicity, I guess, I left New York City about the same time. And so it was, for us, east meets west kind of a deal. We were married in 1972 and lived in Aspen for 10 great years. And a lot of us know here that the counterpunch culture was well entrenched in Aspen. And for me, who I had read, led kind of relatively normal life, Aspen was a, a rollicking place. But we loved Aspen. We loved all the characters, uh, the blending, the famous personalities, and the unfamous and the unknown. Right. (laughs) It was a great place. As a matter of fact, it was a moment where I think we're artists, eccentrics, outlaws, were in charge. You know what they say, the the inmates had taken over the asylum. Right. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So it was generally unconventional, but, but we loved it. So I worked for uh, several different architects and small archi- had a small architectural practice, but in the 1980s, things were changing in Aspen. And while shopping in Glenwood Springs in 1981, we had no intention of looking for a home. Okay. But by chance, we put money down on a home, and uh, we've lived there in North Glenwood ever since. I opened office in the Hotel Colorado. We'll talk about that area. And, okay. But it turned out uh, that the Hotel Colorado at the time had changed ownership. I was hired to help with the renovation along with the team, and we uh, restored many of the historic elements of the Hotel Colorado at that time, including the courtyard. The hotel had been run as a motel for a long time with a drive up at uh, where the piazza kind of covered porches. And anyway, we renovated, restored the courtyard, the main lobby, the restaurant, the bar, the, ho- the hotel itself had fallen into disrepair, so we had to replace all the windows. That was quite a job. The exterior bell into the balconies and a lot of functional stuff like the roof. But even after renovation, the hotel continued to struggle. Uh, and I think it's only been recently in the last 10 years that it's been kind of restored to its grandeur. So you uh, yes. I am very interested in the redevelopment of 6th Street because I have a home nearby. I do love the hotel. I also love the vision of Walter Devereaux and Isaac Cooper. And I think the potential for that 
envisioning exists today for Sixth Street. You know, many people don't uh, don't know that the city of Glenwood Springs came up with a plan, and, and I think it was finally finalized in June 2017, called the Sixth Street Corridor Master Plan. Uh, how about giving us a, a synopsis of what this plan is involved with? Okay, I'll I'll do the best I can, but I do think the Sixth Street Corridor Master Plan is the best envisioning, and probably maybe the least in appreciated document the city has. Uh, I was a member of the steering committee. Uh, I witnessed the work of what I think is a very talented consultant team that accomplished the goal of drafting a master plan and a blueprint for the future of North Glenwood. It embodies vestiges of Glenwood's founding fathers, like I was mentioning Walter Devereaux and Isaac Cooper, but in a kind of in a different form. But it, it, it you know, uh, it was in, Glenwood had been envisioned as a world-class resort. Exactly, yep. Right from the beginning. And amazingly, uh, before the first train arrived in 1888, and even more astounding, before the first vehicle arrived in 1902. I, think, I, find, I find that... I think it was November 1887, but it, a lot of people say 1888. So, but yeah. but yeah, that's that's very fascinating, isn't it? That it's the train, fascinating. train came uh, in then. To me, that uh, the strength of their vision, <laughs> they took that risk and built that hotel, and it took years for a car to get there. Yep, exactly. He did have a, quite a vision, didn't he? Yeah, sure. six years Walter. to get through that canyon. So the kick, the Sixth Street corridor is relevant today. Um, but, but things have changed, right. and uh, the new curved bridge, the pedestrian bridge, and the roundabout have vastly improved the connection between the historic Hot Springs district and the downtown. So it, it's quite amazing. You know, that team you were talking about, I, I talked to uh, to Marco Diem the other day, and uh, he was involved, and Leslie Bethel had, so I saw one of her drawings, she was talking to me about even the possibility of a museum going in there, so... There's, there were a lot of visionaries and a lot of really talented people that helped you with that. Really it? talented and strong leadership. So, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the plan provides an opportunity to transform the area from laurel to pine. And I think what is going to be most interesting, and people maybe don't appreciate, you know, even though it will be a higher density, and it has to be a higher density because we do have to, to face the fact that we've got to accommodate some need for housing, uh, it's going to be a walkable, uh, pedestrian-oriented, tree-lined boulevard that was not possible until the CDOT, the Colorado Department of Transportation, gave back to the city 6th Street. So now we own 6th Street again, uh, and uh, that took all the cars off 6th Street. Exactly. And, exactly. That's, and that is, it makes that area totally unique. We don't have a four-lane highway anymore and we have the potential for a quiet pedestrian oriented street even though it'll be higher density i understand that but for people who are not familiar with the plan they should go to the city's website and follow the you know first uh put in the search sixth street master plan and then follow the link and, and look at that plan it was adopted by council in 2017 um, it also has a little-known economic report, uh, an, an economic assessment to show how that plan can be accomplished and, and the infrastructure, the, the things that uh, really a lot of it is in the private sector, uh, can be done through the application of that plan. 
Right now, the Downtown Development Authority, called the DDA, is also involved in this too, aren't they? Yes. Because um, you want the highest and best possible use for right. for that land. And well, you were mentioning Alessia Bethel. She was a very strong leader of the DDA. Right. I happen to be involved in the beginning of the DDA also, which was the DDA is, is a downtown development authority, and so in that name, it really does have a lot of authority right. uh, for p- proposed re- uh, uh, redevelopment, uh, a benefit to the community. But, you know, what is a DDA? If you have to give you a little, I mean, a DDA, uh, it's created by state statute, and it has a lot of power authorized by the citizens in the city council. Uh, there are several strategies they can provo- per, or pursue on 6th Street. Uh, there are economic incentives for property owners and developers for a public-private partnership to provide parking to serve multiple uses and to lessen the burden on the residents, you know, from the uh, all the cars that right. we can't ignore. Right. The common goals uh, allow, though, if we had a partnership, a complementary allocation of resources and cooperation among all parties to fund a development that meets the needs of varying goals. You know, uh, and it would the aim would be to remove kind of kind of what gets developed between public and private as an us versus them. Right, right. Uh, good, good point. Yeah. So the goals of the Sixth Street Master Plan, it's possible even that they could help de- private developers eliminate, eliminate the cost of providing parking if they partnered with the city. I mean, there's a cost right. would still be there, but it would be more, uh, it would be part of a district if the people could come together and it would be shared public-private parking. That's a that's a huge challenge, though, isn't it? It's a huge challenge. We know that. We know yeah. that. And because of part of our history is... Us and them, isn't it? Part of our history. Part of our history us and them. <laughs> is somehow we uh, get crossways. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Well, why should people in the Roaring Fork Valley really care about a 6th Street development? Well... You know, I, I mean, because yeah, yeah. yeah, that's Glenwood, you know, and, and sort of like people in Aspen, well, that's Down Valley, you know. People even here, it's like that's in Glenwood, we're in, we're in Carbondale. But why is, why is it important for us to really care? Well, just what you said, well, that's Down Valley. Yeah. Because they depend on, I mean, they're pretty quick to say Down Valley, but at the same time, we have, uh, we're connected to them by an umbilical cord. Right. And, and our economic systems uh, are really b- based on serving Aspen snowmass. Right. So, I mean, the, the pressure is huge. And uh, if we don't have a plan, it's going to happen anyway, some way. And right. I think that could be a disaster. So if we ignore these documents, these plans... Um, that provide metrics, you know, how to measure yep. uh, things. And if we ignore that we need a transit-oriented, mixed-use, higher density, I think, like I said, I think it could be a disaster. Right. Or, it, or it could be just the opposite. It could be totally wonderful. But new developments should be planned. Right. Know? And if we don't, we have to have the documents to plan, and we have to have the map metrics, and and we have to know what the capacity is. The carrying capacity, right? The carrying capacity, which I think is a good word, and it should be used more often. We can, that's how we control growth. Right. For for those folks that say, when is enough is enough, well, we can, 
if we look at our natural environment, it'll tell us. Yeah, we all want it. Uh, we're in a valley. All of us here, we're, we're in a valley. valley. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that limits the growth, doesn't it? Yep. You're listening to KDNK's Public Affairs Program for Land's Sake. Today our guest is David Howder, architect and active activist over in the 6th Street development, which we're talking about. And, uh, you know, I'm a person whose career really involved preserving a sense of place, um, that intangible thing that we have trouble putting into words, but how we feel about a certain landscape. And uh, to do this, any part of development around 6th Street uh, – you know, we could talk about. So get, give us a little bit of insight in what sense of place means to you. Well, <coughs> I, I, uh, sense of place is actually what it means to you. Right. It <laughs> means something different to every person, doesn't because it? Every person, uh, I mean, like, Asp- or like we were founded a, a, uh-huh. as a mining town who wanted to be a, a world-class spa. You know, I mean, and not that those two things we couldn't find a way to be compatible, but uh, so the spa really—it it happened, and so now the, the mining kind of disappeared. The mining absolutely disappeared, and and that that idea of a world class place, right, or a sense of place. I still, I think we get confused about that too. And right. I mean, uh, I'm personally, I'm not too fond of having a roller coaster on the top of a mountain, but I understand it. Yep. You know, right? But uh, I think if you're ref- you're referring referring to community you know, community character, right? That's a good way to put it. Community character. Yeah. Uh, what attracted you to live here? You know, right? Uh, and like we were saying, um, we've struggled over that vision um, of what that is, and how people think about sense of place. It's different for everybody. Yep. Uh, when I first moved to Glenwood in, back in the 1980s, I, I was kind of got involved in the Downtown Business Association. And there was, they keep, t- you know, there was a fellow there that had a business, and he said, you know what Glen- Glenwood is? It's a whole lot of average. A whole lot of average, huh? <laughs> I'll be darned. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's kind of, I, there may be some truth to that. Yeah. It may, it may not be all bad. Right. If right. you're trying to preserve character you know or or what that is i mean because the trouble is and today yeah we we hear a lot of residents concern about character and we want small town character the notion has to me it's been eroded yep it's pretty much gone we have allowed you know by our own lack of forcibly saying no to cdot and then a minute, you know, and now we've got a bridge and we've got the state. How have we said yes? Pave our pave Main Street. They did. Right. Build a new bridge. They did. Now, they're not going to they're not going to take State Highway 82 off Main Street. No. No, that won't happen. That's that's not happening. So, so we we really don't. But with given the fact congestion is our business problem. And uh, we don't talk about small town character as much, at least with as much, it doesn't make a sense as much because that, that notion's kind of slipped away. But we still have this huge demand for affordable housing. Right. A lot of it is to serve other places. But, and then we've also got this thing called carrying capacity that, that we need to start paying more attention to because we are constrained, as you said, by the valley. 
So I'm an, an advocate of controlling development by defining capacity of our resources rather than to succumbing to the pressure of developers. And I don't know if that answers your question, or partially maybe. I think I think that's a good point you made, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's some interesting potential over there uh, north of 6th Street, um, some historic potential. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your view of the historic potential that, that exists there at uh, north of 6th Street, because there's not a lot of, um, there's some houses that are older, there's some historic houses there. Right. Uh, so what would what would be the potential for, for developing a, a sort of a village approach to to uh, to that area? Well, I'm, I'm glad you used the word village, because that's actually in the, in the master plan itself. A lot of people may look at that plan or look at the drawings that were produced by the consultants and say, this looks too modern it looks too urban right uh, but it really is uh, those are only ideas for buildings the character that is envisioned for Strick Street is to be more like a village to make North Glenwood more like a village in character all right and and there is a piece of property that I know that I've talked to you about is the it's called the Shelton Holloway house that is right on the edge of where the commercial area of Sixth Street is, as it trans, you know, transitions into the single-family homes. Right now, that home was built in 1901, uh, and the daughter of the, the who the, who was born there uh, became the first judge. She was she got married to Larry Holloway, and it was then called the Holloway House. Right. And uh, so it was the first judge in the state of Colorado, and it's a great house. You know, it has a, it has it's old, but it, it is substantially built. It has, it's kind of a Dutch colonial architecture. Uh, it's attractive. It's on the state registry. It's the only house on that entire city block. Now, there is a potential for the, this building to become open space uh -huh. and preserve the house. So it's a, it's the only house on the national reg, or the state register of historic places, right? Is that the one? It's, we're it is about? on. The, I don't know if it's the only house on there. You know, it's the, it's on the register. Right, and it's also I think a local landmark. So I don't know it's if it's a local landmark. There we go. Yeah, it's a local <laughs> landmark. Yeah, it's close to the Hotel Colorado. It's close to Sixth Street. Right. It's an entire city block. And, uh, I mean, I know that there's the potential to turn that into a park and restore that house. And then in, in, in the future, I think it uh, should become a part of the organization you're a part of, that Glenwood Historic Society should manage that property and, and have that house because I think it's a great neighborhood. And if it becomes a park, uh, in terms of character of a village, it's... It's, you know, villages have parks. Right, yeah. And we need a park. <laughs> That's a pretty long-term goal. I, I, it's a very long-term goal. Wish it, I wish it would come true, so yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, it's a perfect location. Uh, and I think historic preservation is you know, memorializing that house along with that property as open space. And we need to memorialize the North Landing, too, Right, as open space uh, is very, very important. Keep forward. keeping that open yeah. space, yep. yeah. Well, uh, how do you think people listening <clears throat> to you and me today, uh, how can they get involved in the issues that we're talking about? 
<coughs> excuse me. Well, I, I I think there's a lot of ways. The, the historic society, right? That that would be a good start. We we need all the money we can get. Send send the check. Uh, but there's just a lot of ways, and, and I think uh, I mean the, I talk to my friends all the time about uh, the history and where we are today, where we come, you know. And so I mean, talking about history is a way to get involved, and learning history, learning the history of our town, I think is is is. Uh, it's very important to us to make a... We have a fascinating history here in Glenwood. It's really a rich history, isn't it? It really is. And the, and the North... The canyon has been such an interesting place because it... it like the hotel was built before they were... They, they really couldn't get through the canyon. No, the highway hadn't even been built yet. Yeah, and people went around. They went up... They went did all kinds of... We went through Aspen to come down to Glenwood, right. and, and they went up up on the flat tops to come down to Glenwood. So yep. it's really fascinating. So I, I mean, I think the first white settlers came to Glenwood. I believe you may be about 150 years ago. Yep, that's close enough. Yeah. And the, another thing <laughs> that is just a, you should know this. Yep. The Ute Indians were then told after 2,000 years, you got to go. Yeah, that's the whole name of Glenwood was Defiance, which they knew they were in defiance of the treaty with the Utes, correct? Yep. Yeah. So I think that's really something something to think about. And uh, But there is a lot of ways to get involved. Get on a committee, you know, uh, follow your interest and find something related and participate in it on a, you know, on a, on a bigger level. Right. Yeah. There, there are a lot of citizens <clears throat> groups that people can get involved with and, and put their input into. And when we have these public meetings, a lot of times people won't attend, and yet that's where they, their input really counts. Yeah, it really does count. And we talk a lot about community input. And sometimes it gets a little nerve-wracking because it seems like the community input goes on and on and on. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> well, just like the comprehensive plan, it, there's a lot of history in that new comprehensive plan, yes. and people had a chance to comment on it, and uh, and I think it's going to be a fine plan when it's when it's finished. Yeah, and it still isn't quite yet adopted yet either. But, right. Uh, but they're getting close. Exactly, yeah. yep. So, you know, in the comp plan, talking about an, an alternate route, you know, which, uh, I mean— how do, how do you how do you deal with the traffic that is is impactful for all of Glenwood? But you could actually connect pedestrian paths to the to the confluence area to downtown from here. You could really do a lot of a lot of uh, walking t- uh, tours if if possible uh, in the future as well. So it's not all just about cars, like like you said earlier. Well, you know, one of the things about that you mentioned about the comp plan that I think is really exciting. This is the first time in in our comp plan, I think in the last 20 or 30 years, that we are going to show green space contiguous all the way from two rivers across the pedestrian bridge into where the sewer plant used to be, connecting up to Vel- Veltus Park. Right. Now, there's still going to be de- uh, development on the edges is on 8th Street, the 8th Street connection as you get into the town. Right. But the, have, connecting to the rivers is, is still very possible. And there, we have the, roaring, the, the Rio Grande or the railroad. Right. Yeah, tra- it used tra- to be corridor, the corridor Rio Grande Trail. Still called, yeah. They still own it. It's still a railroad <laughs> corridor. Right. But it's, uh, we have a wonderful connection to the river. But, you know, on this subject in terms of... of of uh, congestion, mm-hmm. I think uh, 
the proposed new South Bridge is going to relieve congestion on Grand Avenue. There's no doubt that it will. And it will provide a route for uh, commuters uh, to, coming from, from Southwest who travel to Aspen Snowmass where they don't have to go go on Grand. It's not going to take cars and trucks off Grand. Right. Uh, but I think of doing that, obtaining the funds, is the most important project on the immediate future. Right, that private-public uh, partnership. Yeah, to, and, to, and get that bridge built. Get All the right. South Bridge built. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for being with us today, David. I really do appreciate it. And uh, tune in to us next week. Appreciate you listening to For Land's Sake. And uh, 4 o'clock, the second Monday of every month. So until then, whatever you do for Mother Nature, do it for land's sake. <laughs>